With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is October 23rd. We are just a week away from Halloween. And actually, I'm like three days away from my little sister's wedding. So there's a lot going on in the Fortunato household this week. But we are, uh, Mike and I have a special occasion of our own. We are joined by Ryan Mead. Whoa, whoa, thank you so much. Uh, of the Blue Shirts Breakaway, in case you're wondering. Well, Thanks I was leaving plug. that out on purpose, actually. Pre- appreciate the plug. No, I know, I just wanted to do it for myself. So no, I, was, I wasn't going to do it to you long. <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you were going to throw it out there. You Could know, we, inv- we invited Greg on, too, but apparently Greg has a real job where he has to wake up at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, I would for call real. that a real, real job. I would call that a shit job. Oh, yeah. what's what's cursing like here? No, you could you could say whatever the fuck you want. We're, cool. We're totally off, yeah. Do? Does he, like... Greg works at a news so station. It, it, yeah, it's actually funny. Greg is a news producer for, I believe it's Spectrum in it is, Albany. That is true, yes. Wow. And I, I, sell, like I sell broadcast television commercial airspace, not in Albany. but ah. So we are semi-connected, he and I. I thought he must have been like a, a tugboat captain who had a rough shift. Like, <laughs> No, but he, I, like, he gets into work for 3.30, and they don't start airing the news until 6.30. So it is literally three hours of prep. I went to school for what he does, and he's a brave man. That's all I have to say about that. I would call him brave, but I would call him uh, misguided. But hey, listen, we all have different words. Well, he's, you know, he's the I don't bravest know. little toaster that we know. What a movie. <laughs> this is good. We've, we've shit all over him, and it's only a minute and 30 seconds. That's in. what I'm here for. And his, his entire like life sequence up to this point, all the decisions that led him to working... Um, I actually F- just canceled. Find me posting so. anything nice on the internet, and then find Greg two minutes later trying to ruin it. So we're good. Well, I hope you're yeah. getting good sleep there, Greg. You sweetie. Get yeah, he has to. Sleep. He's getting up in like two hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's not a game. And your, your cozy little sleep socks. So do one you sleep of the socks on Joe, I can't do it. I hate socks when I sleep. I no, do I don't sleep. I don't sleep in socks. In fact, yeah, no socks. You know what? I'm not even gonna. We're not gonna go there. I, like I had a, I had a sleep together. secret, but I'm not. It keeps me we're, calm. We're not doing it. Um, yeah, I don't. I I, I hate res- like restrictive clothing of any type when I'm sleeping. So no yeah, body suits I, for you. No, I do sleep. I'm, naked. A, I'm a in the nude kind of guy. I'm a, yeah, Ryan, I just like I'm, let it hang. I, that was my secret. I am fucking. I sleep naked. Yeah, I just can't. Not just for everyone out there. Just picture me and Joe sleeping naked. Yep. Appreciate you driving to work this morning with us, having that. Picture Listening today. to us sleep naked. We have not. <laughs> this is. I just can't. I, you know, I sleep in just in shorts and mesh shorts, and I I toss and turn like a monster. It's it's too much. I get it, man. Just get it out. It's, it's too much. Just gotta. It feels good free. actually to just share. Be free. Yeah. It feels really free, good. Bro. So socks, Mike? No, I don't even wear pants. Yeah. Yeah. Pants are socks no. are. I don't know. I hate socks in general. Like when I get home, it's no pants, no socks. Mike, do you think socks? Socks? I mean, socks. Sorry. When I was a kid, God I distinctly it, remember <laughs> taking my socks off, like in a in when we would have a sleepover at a friend's house, like taking my socks off before we went to bed, and just that feeling of relief that your socks were off. Oh, it's a meaningful moment. It, it just, really is a meaningful moment. You have a tough day, you get into bed with your socks on, and you just pull those socks off. Whoa. Oh, it's amazing. Well, so nice. Oh, Everyone that's like a, a not a never nude right now is just cringing. Yeah, they have. Like, no, I never they, take my jeans off, Ryan. 
Well, they don't take anything off, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and okay. I'm never putting anything on while I'm sleeping. Exactly. Um, there it's is no perfect... do the show during the game here. We should mention that. We're well, I was going to say, one of the benefits of us yeah. not doing the show live anymore, and actually these, this is the first like live Ranger season that we're doing it because we started this summer, is that we can record live. So the goal here is for us to at least have some semblance of what's going on in the Rangers game for you when you listen to this tomorrow. So right now it's 1-1. The Rangers scored their shorthanded goal. And uh, we're not going to give you play-by-play of the game because you watched it. But we'll at least know know what's going on. So um, there is actually – so I I didn't want to get into the game really at all. But I I do want to get into this, and I wasn't really expecting it. Carp, who is a friend of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Note that he I didn't is. say bantering the Blue Shirts. Blue he Shirts did, Breakaway uh, more than me. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Good, good dear um, friend who I stalked out personally at an athletic event with our my dear friend Greg. And then uh, we told him we hated him. And then we sorted our issues out. And now we're good buds. So I have to say, Carp and I had beef like years ago too. And then mm-hmm. he and I like had a candid discussion via DM. And then that's all you need to do with Carp. He's like a puppy that kind of growls at you. you well, know no, what I he mean? calls other people puppy, but we th- found well, that yeah, that happened. This, but you know, you just you get to know him, and I, Carp and I certainly don't see eye to eye. But he's he's a friend of the site, I would say. But I'm bringing him up because he tweeted that there are he's saying a pre-trade deadline amount of scouts at the Rangers game, and the Rangers had Kyle Dubas, who's the uh, general manager of the Leafs in the building the other night. The Rangers had scouts in Toronto the other night. I'm not saying that there's a Nylander thing there. I actually think it's it's far more the, the Zuccarello, Nemestikov, Spooner type of thing. But uh, Ryan, you're the guest. I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, you think the Rangers sell-off might happen a little bit earlier than we thought uh, it would? I think it's been happening since the, the season started. I, I, I want to call a comment on the Dubas thing real quick. Um, he's a nerd and he just loves hockey. That's why he was there. Maybe he was scouting Zuccarello, but the next night he went to Philly and watched hockey game too. Yeah, but I also think his agent's in Manhattan. I think Bob McKenzie threw some cold water on that, that they were having some yeah, type of Nylander's meeting. Agent, that, yeah. That's correct. There was a meeting that was uh, for Nylander's agent. But uh, I, I think the Rangers are open for business, dude. Like, everyone is up for sale. I think the only players that aren't for sale right now are Howden, Leas, and and Heedle. And I could say maybe Booch, but even him, I think, is like... I think Brady Shea could be sold for the right price is where I'm at. Yeah, I think I, I, everyone is open. I think the Rangers legitimately have two untouchable players right now. And I think one of them is Kravstoff, and I think the other one is Heedle. You think Howden's touchable? Uh, I do, for the right price. But the price is really high. But yes, uh, because I have another tier where, like, Buchnevik, Shea, um, I would even put Pionk there, although I don't know if I would personally, but I think the Rangers value him like that in this tier of, like, a trade would never happen because nobody's going to give you that much. I feel that, I feel like he's in that tier for But I, I truly think that Shea, or not Shea, I truly think that Kravstoff and Hedl are the only two players that the Rangers, like, you'd have to, a player like Nylander would have to be on the table, and even then. Even then, that's a little pushy. I, I mean, everything, uh, from what I was told, I wasn't at the Rangers Q&A. There was an event meetup or whatever recently. Uh, but I had some people message me, and they said uh, when Gorton talked about Heedle, he was, you know, here or there, and he was excited for him. But when, when he talked about Crabstop, he absolutely lit up. He was like, this kid is special. Um, so I, I think that's a kid that's just not going anywhere whatsoever. Yeah, we uh, Ryan and I on the forum shared a little bit of inside knowledge oh, with all of you um, about uh, Carlson, but I'm going to tell you that the same source told me that the Rangers had started scouting, you know, Krovstov. The Rangers have really vamped up their, 
European scouting staff, and they saw Kravstov playing really early last year in the KHL, and they could not take their eyes off of him. They were enamored with him really from the beginning, and I, I'm, you know, I don't know how much I believe their second best player on the board, second best forward, because I really feel like if Zadina was falling, there's no way they would have passed up on him. But I, and I kind of see what they're saying. I mean, you see the stats that they're putting up. Kravstov is literally putting up better numbers than, or the same numbers as guys like Tarasenko. Um, you don't. Oh, I'm very excited for and Panarin. You know what I mean? You don't just throw stuff like that out of the way. Uh, you, you take it and you nurture it and you try to grow it, and that's what the Rangers are all about right now. So yeah, I think you kind of have to see that one through. And our boy Keandre Miller, man, five points in four games for Wisconsin so far. He's an we're animal. Loving it. I mean, we're, how how long till we see him? Three years? I, you know what? I would I would have told you three years, but maybe we could get a little optimistic and maybe see a junior year. Keandre Miller, I don't know. I, I still think our our rebuild, and I've actually been cooling on on the Artemi Panarin train recently. Really? I have. Well, let's been. let's let's talk about that. It's a little weird. I feel. Uh, well, when started, you say cooling, you mean you cooling on the idea? Or you don't think it's going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Rangers. The more I, I think they're taking this rebuild more seriously than even we think, or, or maybe, or, or I'm starting to believe it now. I think. Um, from like I've already quoted Rick before, but Rick said the other day, like it's the team's going to be younger this year, next year, and even more younger the year after that. There's like this, they're taking this very seriously. Gordon's looking to build a dynasty here, and he wants to do it through the draft. And I'm not sure Panarin is that player. I mean, he, I, I'm not sure he wants to set that timeline up with him. I mean, what do you, you have to sign him for eight years, right? You got to pay him eleven million dollars, um, and he'll be, you know, by the. By the time this team is really ready to compete, like 30-31, is that really what you want to be doing? Yeah, the, the for me, the only way that it, it – it's interesting because he's the type of player, he's the type of talent that really kind of changes the dynamic of a team, right? Absolutely. You add Panarin to this – even this group, and the Rangers are probably – I mean, the defense is still a disaster, but you're you're much closer to a playoff team than they are right now. Well, look at the Islanders once John Tavares left. You know? uh, it's, it's well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's as much of a nightmare as we have. Only somehow they're still talking shit. It's amazing. Don't get uh, it. We're practically I, I, I just, I, I, the Rangers are going to answer a lot of questions in that regard. I think in February is Hayes still here? Um, is Nemestikov still here? Is Spooner still here? Hayes is the big one though because he's really the only piece on this roster right now. That is due for one of those enormous, this is my long-term deal contracts. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, then the Rangers are either they're freeing up cap space for something you would think Panarin, or you're right, they're really going through the rebuild. I mean, Mike, you you haven't really said much. What are your thoughts on this? (laughs) Hey, Mike, what's up, man? I was trying to see how long I could go without saying anything. Just just Um, say something, man. Here we are. (laughs) What are you doing, podcasting? No, I just I was enjoying it. It was like, oh, just listen to this show. This show's when Shana comes on our show, she knits. So yeah, oh, that's, that's oh. fair. Um, Me too. That's what I'm doing right now. Well, I, yeah. I knit all the time. Yeah, I feel like a lot hinges on what happens between now and the deadline, specifically related to negotiations with Hayes. And I also think part of that is probably tied to the decision that this front office has to make in regards to Kreider. I feel like Zuccarello is a foregone conclusion. You can't. You can't justify keeping him around. He's just like this this luxury piece that everyone loves. You love to have him around. He's led the team in points, but he's, you know, he's, if he was five years younger, you could have a different conversation, but he's not. 
And, you know, Kreider has a year left after this year, so that needs to be decided. There is a little bit of scuttlebutt out of Boston with early rumors there, but it wasn't from the greatest of sources. And, you know, it's like Ryan was saying, I feel like pretty much everyone's available. Like Spooner's available, Vlad's available, VC has to be available. And Mika Zibanejad, I think, is the closest, like, not kid, in my opinion, to someone they know they want to keep around because he's 25 and his contract is so good. But with that being said, if they can get something special, and that means a package that includes picks and prospects, then why would they be hesitant to trade Zibanejad when they have all these center prospects? Knowing Zibanejad's injury history and everything else, it's also worth pointing out that the Zibanejad contract comes with no strings attached. There's no no trade, no no movement, nothing of that kind at all. So it is kind of wide open. Um, I don't know. The Panarin thing is pretty interesting. I understand exactly where you're coming from, Ryan. I look at that as he is a truly elite winger, which the Rangers haven't had in forever. If he's 31 by the time this team is ready to kind of compete again, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it means that the window of how good he's going to be isn't great. But he will be, assuming we get him in free agency, it'll be seven years. And the other thing that's worth pointing out is it's kind of good to have that guy who can take all the attention of the opposition's, you know, best players to kind of open up the ice for the younger players and help them gain confidence, even when they're on the same line. Like, it, if everyone's watching Panarin, it would make loads and loads of room and opportunities for guys like Kravstov or Hedl or Anderson or, you know, whatever the hell name you want to stick in there. So there's a lot to break down. I, I'm I'm curious about all these scouts, but at the same time, it's super early. And I feel like the door is open for trades whenever. But it really, it's in the Rangers' best interest, particularly for these rental guys, to wait closer to the deadline. But then, of course, you also have to embrace the whole risk of, oh, uh, what if Zuccarello gets hurt and we can't trade him and fuck? So or what if Zuccarello just scored, which he did? And he the did. The, oh. the other thing that I wanna I wanna throw out there, just to Mike's point, when was the Ryan? We we answer this question on our show a lot. What was mm-hmm. you say the last superstar the Rangers had? Yager. Yeah, Yager is the answer that we, we give. I mean, yeah. you could certainly make an argument that Marion Gabrick probably had a year of superstar in him. Well, in no, New York. the year the year that Gabrick had was against us. Yeah, so. yeah it was uh, so like that's the last time that the Rangers had a, just a, a flat out superstar, and it it makes an enormous difference. You need one. I mean, to we're win. we're not we're talking for a skater. Yes, we're not skater. We're not talking Henrik Lundqvist yeah, as okay, much as good. the yeah. as much as there are people out there who wish we were. There's only like um, six, so whatever. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Okay. So I, I I do see the allure of having a guy like him. And again, who knows? Like if the Rangers make enormous trades, if they trade Zuccarello, which we think they should, if they trade Hayes, and they're not getting back, you know, you're getting back more of those Howden type players who can step in next year, and you get a guy like Panarin, yeah, if you can fix the defense, this could be a playoff team. So you, I, I do see what the Rangers, you can still go for the playoffs without being all in. You can go for the playoffs and still make decisions that are long-term decisions and just know that it may have ramifications on... You can try to get to the playoffs and do a little bit of selling at the deadline, too. I mean, Yeah, you absolutely can. And that's sort of, I feel like, not that the Rangers are doing that this year, but I don't think it's insane to think that the Rangers are... Their doors are open right now. I would be astounded... 
if Zuccarello was on this team in February. Oh, and, yeah. And well, I would I'll... tell you that Toronto is probably one of the higher teams I would think of where the Rangers eat salary and they get him there for the cup run. Nemestikov, I'm already seeing people talking about Nemestikov being the missing depth piece for a Stanley Cup run. I mean, it's not unheard of to imagine the Rangers with two or three first-round picks again this year. And I'm not even talking about the, the Lightning. Pick, yeah. Like Zuccarello and Hayes, theoretically, could and should bring you back a first-round pick if that's the road you want to go down. So there's a lot of roads open for Jeff Gordon right now, and there's still some really questionable decisions. I've, I kind of started putting some blame on Gordon for the D'Angelo situation. I wrote an article about it today, that, and we'll talk about it a little bit, that he, he has to play. Why is McQuaid here? That's another question that I think is fair. You know, how is Cody McLeod, even though he's playing well, how is Cody McLeod plan B? I think the Rangers are making the right decision keeping Philip Heedle up, but that's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. Let's go there. The Rangers keeping Philip Heedle up. They don't well, care about— Well, before we about... go there, Joe, I want to just quickly um, yes, chime, chime, chime in here. Chime yeah. right in. Um, before we move on from the value, I just want to point out to everyone, the reason why all these people got signed to two-year contracts is so that— Gorton had multiple chances to trade them in the future. So he has this season at the trade deadline, the offseason, and next trade deadline. So that's why you saw Jimmy VC, Nemestikov, Spooner all get two-year deals. So he can value them as assets and try and trade them for as much as possible. I'm good now. Thanks. That's good. That was a good little a little jump in. Heedle, staying up with the New York Rangers. They don't care about the entry-level contract slide. Mike? I think it's the right move, both short and long-term. You know, it's... I know that some people are like, oh, when are the, when are the points going to come and all that, but I feel like there's nothing to worry about. This, this kid, is, he's still super young. Like, the thing that, you know, we talked about it a lot last year, Joe, with, you know, when Heedle was, was here and trying to figure out, like, oh, you know, what do we expect from him? But he's, right now he's 19. Um, you know, he had his birthday in early September so mm-hmm. at the end of the year he's still going to be 19 this is a really young guy who doesn't have a ton of experience you know playing against men and he's doing fine and like the other thing that I think is important to point out here is last season in Hartford he had what was it like 30 points in 40 31 yeah points it was something six games is that the actual number that sounds right yeah so what more does he have to prove in Hartford like I don't know if going there would be... It might be good just to kind of get his confidence going. Just, you know, he'll more of the shots he takes will end up at the back of the net. He'll be able to get around more defenders and all that stuff. And that's all well and good. But I'm not really worried about that stuff with him just because he does really have all the tools he needs. It's just a, a question of getting, you know, putting it all together. I'm not, I'm not worried that he has two assists in eight games. Like, that's fine. It's fine. He's also been unlucky. I think Adam wrote a story today oh, yeah, that he Heedle's yeah. shooting, like when he's on the ice, they're shooting 5%, and the team average yeah, is like 9%. And, like, and the Rangers as a whole have been unlucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you watch him play, he creates chances. He, he does these little flashes of things where you say, oh, it's going to come together. He is going to be the guy who can make those big plays, whether or not he's, you know, he turns into like an all-star center winger, whatever the heck he ends up being. Is a separate issue. What is clear is like he he's definitely an NHL player. Uh, that's what he projects to be, and really that's where he is now. And it's it's also I think important in this in the year of evaluating building. Like you have to let these young guys figure it out. Yeah. How do you not? And I mean, I th- I love the fact that Quinn keeps talking the way that we would like 
a coach to talk, right? In that, hey, he's playing really well. When he gets his first goal, a million are going to go in. Because that's exactly what we're thinking. And eventually the law of averages catches up with you. You know what I mean? Heedle, I thought, was one of the Rangers' best forwards against Calgary in a game where the Rangers didn't have a single player under 51% for possession. So that's saying something. I think he hit the post. He had like three or four high-quality scoring chances just himself. And he didn't score. And it happens. And it's going to happen. But Philip Heedle has shown us that he can dominate a game, that he can be that player, even at 19 years old. So the Rangers, and like Ryan was saying, they have no, I think the Rangers have the least amount of contracts on the books for 2020 and beyond. You have that flexibility. Let Heedle develop and marinate in the NHL. If you have to pay him a couple of extra million dollars, you're you're not looking to scum and save cash anymore. You don't need 5. to. 5.56 shooting percentage when he's on the ice at 5-on-5, uh, five five, by the way. So, like, his PDO is just north of, you know, 1,000 or 100 or however you like to do your PDO. But there's there's enough positive signs, both in his numbers and in the optics, where I'm just not worried. And, like, in regards to the entry-level slide and stuff, he's done everything he's supposed to do. He really has. Reward him. Let him develop in the NHL. And you can sweat the small stuff later, but it's this is a team that has to embrace its young talent, and Hedl is the top of the list right now. I mean, Kravstov is what he is. He probably has the highest ceiling of this entire prospect group, but in terms of guys who can be here, it's Hedl by a mile, so let it happen. And he's 19 and already spent a full year in the AHL. Well, Zippy, uh, Zippy just scored again. Yeah, I know. I was, no, was going to say Zibanejad just scored on the power play. He's heating up. Ryan, did you you haven't had any thoughts on this Hedl debate, have you? No, the thing about Hedl is I'm glad he's staying. I mean, I'm a, I'm kind of a prospect nerd when it comes to like nurturing them and getting as much out of their contract as possible, but he's got nothing left to prove at the AHL, just like you guys said. He's uh, I want to see him play up here. He's also still growing. I, I saw him at the end of last year in person, not to brag, uh, and I saw him this year. And he hugged wait, him, assaulted I, 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 him. I hugged him. I hugged him, and uh, I, did, I, did. I hugged him. And then from there, uh, he's he grew like three inches this year. He's still like got a lot of weight to put on, and he's already showing like he's got the speed to be out there. Just let him refine his game. We're not trying to win a cup this year, guys. Like let him let him be out there. And and that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is you yes it's five years ago when the rangers were cup contenders you absolutely factor in the fact that you get an extra year of the entry-level contracts for him and you keep him cheaper for longer that is a hundred percent the thing that you do you don't you don't have to think that way today and i'm not saying completely forget the fact that money exists because that's how you get in trouble in the first place but hedel is better served to be in the NHL, to learn at the NHL. It would be one thing if he was struggling out here. And I know there were a few games where he got 10 minutes, but since Quinn moved him up to the top six and he's getting the 15 to 20 minutes a night, he has not looked out of place at all. So if that's the case, yeah, you, you take you take your lumps and you don't breach them then because the Rangers got themselves into a lot of trouble by bridging players and then paying them way more money than they would have had to if they didn't do that. We saw Gordon take the risk on Brady Shea, so it's not unheard of for the organization to kind of change the trajectory of the way that they negotiate those RFA contracts. But by all means, if the kid is playing well, this is the point of the year. Who cares? He's going to score, and he'd almost just scored right there, actually. But I, I could care less. He's uh, he's shown me everything I want to see with the exception of getting all the points, and they'll come. I'm not really worried about it. 
Yeah, they're going to come. They have to come. Like, we, we know he can score. We know he shows his little flashes. I think Ryan's right. Like, when you look at him, he just looks like a kid who kind of bounces off guys a lot. And when he gets a little stronger on his skates, like, he's, 19, he's barely 19. He's 19 in a month. Like, he's going to fill out more. He's going to get stronger on his skates. He's going to be maybe less tentative about going into those high traffic areas and getting those shots from Royal Road and, like... He is definitely a guy who opts for flashy plays and going around and through guys with stick handling as opposed to, you know, trying to use his, you know, wingspan and try to muscle guys away from the puck. But, you know, he's not Yager, but he doesn't have to be that kind of guy to be effective. And that's what's so exciting about him is because he has all the other little things you really need. And it just it's just a question of time. And like Joe said, this is the best place for him to figure it out. There's no there's no better place for him. Like he doesn't have anything to prove in the AHL. Um, you know, like it would also, I think, a little be maybe a little awkward and counterintuitive to have Anderson and Heedle in the AHL at the same time if you want to develop them both at center. You know what I mean? It's then you have to get into the whole well, how do you divvy up that ice time and yada yada yada. So I'm perfectly fine with the keeping things as the way they are. And he, his game really does remind me of Yager. That's not a talent comparison. Just even at 19, he's he is strong on the puck. He uses his ass to protect the puck the same way Yager does Ooh. and did. And like there, Heedle has skills you Brandon literally Smith cannot teach. All sorts of pissed off here. Yeah, so I'm going to just go ahead and go off on this. I love Brandon Smith this year. I feel like everything about him, he's been a serviceable player. I don't he, think he's been naturally He's bad. freaking out on this referee. He is freaking out on him. And the fact that he's showing this 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 passion and just trying to go after this guy, like, this is shit I love. Like, I, I love this about certain, like, this was the fiery Brandon Smith I fell in love with in the playoffs before. Oh, he's getting ejected. Wow. No, I don't think so. There's only three minutes left in the period, so. And he got a fighting major. They got a five-minute fighting straight major, so they can't. Okay. Straight, straight. But you know what the thing is? Mike and I have talked Man. about this, too. You can say what you want about the way that David Quinn wants to play hockey, and I think we've, we're seeing a... Uh, at least a better blend of toughness and skill than we have in the past, right? And when we mm-hmm. heard that Quinn wanted to come in and, and be this gritty hockey pl- coach, I think a lot of us were thinking like nom flashbacks about the Tortorella days. But the Rangers have bought into David Quinn's system. They've bought into his ideology. The, like the Rangers are getting in people's qualm. faces. They're, they're fighting, which, I, again, I don't think is critical, but... You know, we haven't seen a ton of the stupid tough stuff. Shea against uh, the Flames. That was stupid. That's stupid tough. But that's really the first thing that I can think about. Even with McLeod in the lineup, McLeod has not been a disaster. And Quinn wants that rough and tough in-your-face game. But he also, he's focusing on a puck possession game. So I'm just, but like Ryan said, like Brendan, you're getting pissed off Smith. The Rangers have bought into this strategy. They're oh, buying yeah. into it's, what they're getting from Quinn, and it is making see a difference. Him getting the most out of, oh, uh, 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 most like even Buchnevich when he benched him, and he, he really got a lot out of him in the next couple of games. I think Butch played one of his best games against the Flames. Yeah, almost. I think I thought Buchnevich was great against the Flames, and listen, I'm he's my man child crush, Been but there. he was as bad as possible in the game against Washington, his first game back from the healthy scratch. And I think some of that was that he was on the fourth line. He was back on left wing, but I thought he was fantastic against the Flames. And you just, he's another guy that like, 
I think he needs a goal to kind of get things going. He had an insane preseason. That top line didn't really mesh as soon as the season started. Things kind of got moved around. He got the healthy scratch. And Quinn kind of had an interesting comment that I really did appreciate, which was that Quinn isn't making it seem like, hey, he's not working hard on purpose. Quinn is making it seem like he thinks he's working hard. A lot of kids at 23 think they're working hard. We have to change their definition of hard work. And we sat on this podcast last week and had a ton of discussion about what that benching was going to mean for Bushnevich and whether or not it was back to the Vigneault days and yada, yada, yada. And me and Mike had a little Kool-Aid back and forth. But I really think Quinn is making players buy into this. I need this from you. And if I don't get it from you, I don't care who you are, you're going to sit. And that was the only thing I wanted with Mignot. I want a very clear list of what is it you want from me, what is it you want from these players, and if you're going to fucking hold Buchnevich to that standard, you have to hold Girardi to that standard. And that never happened. Now you have Shattenkirk sitting out, you have Pionk, D'Angelo, who we'll talk about, uh, even McQuaid got a seat, Stahl seems to be the only guy that is untouchable right now. And that's but still a problem. That's it's one hundred thousand percent a problem, and we're going to get to that when we talk some about the qualms. But I do think the Rangers have, at the very least, David Quinn is they. You know what you need out of them. You know what he expects out of you. And I don't think the Rangers had that before. Well, so let's I, talk about. Let's talk. Was Ryan? Were you going to say something? No, that wasn't important. Go on. Let, let's talk about D'Angelo. Because I, I think when we're we're discussing Quinn, we've made it pretty clear that uh, at least I've made it clear. I think he's doing a lot of really good things at forward. I think defense continues to be an issue for him. I wrote a story today, like two thousand words, about Tony D'Angelo, and in it I mentioned that D'Angelo was conservative, and that turned into an absolute shitstorm that I should have expected. That said. Tony D'Angelo, it, like this whole situation, boggles my mind, and this isn't a Quinn thing. The D'Angelo issue is now a Gordon thing because you went out and you got this guy for your number one center in Antiranta. And you can make all the arguments in the world you want that the Rangers got the seventh round pick and that that was the cornerstone of the trade. Let me tell you something. Seventh I'm going to go back to my sources. It was the first round pick, but, and, and the seventh was. Oh, I keep, say, you know, I keep saying seventh round pick. It's That's the seventh right. overall pick. I can't. I keep it's doing okay. that. Here, okay. When the Rangers got the seventh overall pick, they wanted to trade up with Dallas, and they almost did because they wanted. Is it McCarr? Kyle McCarr? I think so, yeah. That's how you pronounce it? Ryan is I, I absolutely still think, no help no, no in this regard. I, I still think they wanted – I don't even think McCarr was on their, was one of their guys. Maybe I, you would know more, but – That's a that's a sourced piece of information right there. And whether or not that's true, I guess, is a different conversation. They wanted him at three. When they didn't get that trade with Dallas, they wanted – it's Peterson, right? Yep. They wanted Peterson, and they almost got him. I'm not saying that this is not a shit on Leah Anderson conversation. This is just me telling you that the seventh overall pick was a piece of another puzzle. So the Rangers knew there was going to be movement on that. D'Angelo was not a throwaway in this deal. D'Angelo was something that the Rangers wanted back. I think we're, uh, I think we're in disagreement here, Joe. Oh, let's do it. Let's I do know. It. I think uh, he was a throw-in. I think he was legitimately... They handed the Arizona team a list of players they'd be cool with having um, if that was the case. And they got they got Tony D'Angelo back. And they were like, cool, we suck at defense. And he was he was not the big piece of that of that trade whatsoever. Really, it was about the seventh overall pick, and that was it. 
I, I would. It was, if it was only Stepan, maybe. But it was well, not, not just Ranta too, and like the, Arizona got a starting goalie. The Rangers knew they had something valuable in Ranta when they did that deal. But you that, know for a fact, but, like when they traded Talbot, they traded him for peanuts also. And Talbot was playing out of his mind. Although the Talbot situation was a little weird because the Rangers had a first-round pick on the table from San Jose that they didn't take. Yes. I, so which I don't understand. But I, goalies were going like they were. you could not sell them higher when the Rangers traded Ronta. And I'm not – Ryan, you and I are in agreement that D'Angelo was definitely not the Rangers – that wasn't – I'm not saying that D'Angelo was the cornerstone of the deal – I'm just saying that the, they wanted Keller bad, and they didn't get him. Oh, they wanted Keller like one, very bad. So when yeah, that one didn't third happen, third as valuable as the pick. Like it, I don't think it was fifty fifty. Yeah, I, I agree with I, Mike. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I think yeah. D'Angelo was. They didn't bring him back as a throwaway. There was something there that the Rangers saw, and all, like I talked about in the story, all the risks about D'Angelo, all the off ice issues, him using homophobic slurs, the abusive officials, the and I don't like the conservative stuff on Twitter isn't a headache because he's conservative. It's just when you have a player in the locker room who's very public about their political beliefs, whether it's liberal or conservative, I think teams look at that as a as a headache. And if you think I'm wrong, teams look at Fortnite as a headache. So do you really think a guy going out there and cheering on a political candidate isn't a headache? It's a headache. Not saying that should have anything to do with what the guy does on the ice and whether or not he plays. I'm just saying it's something that has to do with this whole picture. So the Rangers knew all of this, and they still traded for him. So if that's the case, you have to at least give yourself a shot to see what you have. And the four of us, pretending that Greg is here, all Mm -hmm. sat at the forum, and we all said the same thing. He has to play. He has to be on the opening night roster. He has to play. Him and Pionk have to play because you have to know what you have in these guys. Right. And we're, just, we're just not doing that it's, at all. But the, and that's what I don't get because you're just hurt. You're, you're tanking his trade value. You're, you're wasting a year where the results don't matter. And for what? McQuaid? For Stahl? This has been Quinn's blind spot. Mark Stahl and Adam McQuaid do not have to play. The fact that Pionk and D'Angelo both sat at one point this year as healthy scratches is insanity to me. I'm ready to counter you on this. Counter I, I can't. I can't. I cannot justify Stall. Couldn't do it if you. The only thing I could give is like good old boys club. He's a veteran. They want to play him and do the right thing by him. That's and he's the only, technically their captain. Yeah, technically, that's the only thing I could say about Stall. McQuaid. It's. I, I'm not blaming Quinn. I'm blaming Gordon. Gorton sees McQuaid as a trade piece, and he wants to trade him for a higher pick than what he got him for. And that's exactly why he's out there showcasing him. And I don't know why it's D'Angelo that's getting the, the, the stick for this, but it is. So I think McQuaid is, is the the real reason is because he's a chess piece for Gorton going forward. Well, that and that's – see, you and I, we do kind of agree on this. The McQuaid thing is Gordon's fault. The fact that D'Angelo was the one sitting for McQuaid is Quinn's fault. I still like, think it's Gordon. Freddie, I think everyone's on the same page. Like they have a meeting, and they're like – they're like, okay, well, listen, uh, this is what you're doing. This is who you're going to play. Just stick with my stick with my guns here and coach as best as possible. And, and you're, I don't think you're wrong at all. And we've had this – a lot of people on the banter want to know why Gordon isn't marching down into Quinn's office and telling him, hey, you have to play D'Angelo. And my response is because, A, general managers don't get involved on a team level like that. B, Gordon probably agrees with what Quinn is doing. I just don't understand. And listen – from everything that we've seen from Quinn, and Mike, I'm going to defer to you on this one because you've reigned in my Quinn love. Is it fair to say 
that D'Angelo is getting the same shake that everybody else is getting. And that whatever Quinn wants from D'Angelo, he's not asking for more from D'Angelo than he is from anybody else. I think D'Angelo has been getting the short end of the stick here. And, and like, when you, we look at... We look, look at this, at, Ryan. You're, you're tearing us apart. Well, no, when you look at here specifically what Quinn likes from his D, he likes them, you know, to have that offensive instinct. D'Angelo does that. He likes them to not tolerate any shit in terms of protecting teammates and goalies. D'Angelo fits that bill. He is a yappy little guy. Like, he's not going to back down from anyone. He's going to take a lot of coincidental minors and stir shit because that's kind of the sort of player he is. But the other thing that I think is important is it is a small sample size, so sound the air horn for that small sample size warning. But he has two primary assists in two games. And it's really unique to have a guy on your blue line who can generate offense the way he can, especially someone... You know, when you have a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, having someone of D'Angelo's caliber on your second power play unit instead of Neil Pionk is a big deal. And I know that Pionk just picked up another assist tonight for the Rangers on the power play, but it's the difference between Neil Pionk and D'Angelo on the power play to me is night and day. One of them is just like kind of an adequate plug-in guy who you don't have anyone better, so you'll do Neil Pionk. And the other guy is a guy who can be a legitimate power play quarterback. Mm. That's how good D'Angelo is. You don't think so, Ryan? No, I, I'm I'm really high on Neil Pionk. Um, yeah, I, I understand being high on him, and like I've been paying really close attention to what his numbers look like now that he's finally been divorced from Mark Stahl. He's been getting a lot of ice time with Brady Shea, and his numbers, as we all kind of anticipated, have definitely rebounded. Like, it, it's not in terms of like, oh, he's this completely different player, but his possession numbers are no longer just this steaming pile of garbage, and that's. A very important thing to keep in mind when we think about this evaluation year and what these guys can be. And I have nothing, I have no problems with Pionk in general. The problem, as we've talked about, is the fact that there's McQuaid in the picture. And even now, you know, Friedrich Clayson is out for two to three weeks with an upper body injury. And we still have. This Look at Mike coming in hot with the Friedrich. Well, it's, well, that's how you do it. Well, I'm Sweet. aware, but Ryan and I are both over here. Wait, hold on. Frederick. Wasn't it lower body or is it just a body injury? I, I think it's remember. upper body. What? By the Somewhere way, they're doing the they're doing an interview right now between periods, and rain, it is amazing how quickly dogs get big. Ranger oh, is enormous. He's huge. He, he's he's like, huge. oh my he's god, he's boy, so though. goddamn cute. His favorite player is Adam Graves. <laughs> <laughs> nice Who job. is equally that's also Ryan's favorite player. It, uh, it's, uh, he's up there. I do he, love he's that. He's up man. there for me too. Um, actually, Trainer's Big B, one of the guys Saxon on the vlog, his kid just skated with Graves. I don't know how. It's pretty bougie. Yeah, it's that was pretty awesome. Um, I Here's the thing, and, and I've noticed this a lot about Pionk. His success comes from playing simple hockey. When he, like, the, even a game against Washington, where I think he had, what, three assists? He didn't do anything fancy. There was nothing special. He just shot the puck. And that's exactly what you need to do. And that's something that I think D'Angelo needs to work on. I'm more with Mike than Ryan in that. I think D'Angelo... Oh, Ryan, how you like that? Well, I watch think- this. I think Pionk could actually play defense, guys, which is his whole sole purpose as a player. Well, Tony D'Angelo can't defend anybody. Uh, see, so, yeah, he's hey, good Ryan, on the power... So, yeah, I he's- absolutely agree with that. So he's... Yeah, so he's a good power play quarterback, sure, guys. But guess what his job is most of the time, what the players are out of the power play, to defend, and he can't. Could, yeah, can we be honest? Have said, the Rangers ever charged the, the defenseman with actually valuable. being able to defend? Ever? <laughs> Honestly? No, no but apparently this is worse than it actually usually is. That's terrifying. 
I'm not trying to make the argument that D'Angelo is a good defenseman because I'm not. The argument that I'm making, and I think Mike is making, but I'm not sure now, is that there is something that could be good in D'Angelo. And I even said in my story today, good. like, he's out of chances at this point. He Trade has mark. to take this could in be stride good. because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. And I think there's a very good hockey player in D'Angelo. I don't think we're ever going to see it. I but, think, but I want to make a quick point, Joe. I know that a lot of people got like, worked please. up with your, you know, you didn't say that, oh, it's it's a problem that D'Angelo is conservative in your story. Oh, Mike is uh, going to defend me. I love this. I think people got wrapped up in that, but you even made the, well, I edited the piece, for goodness sakes. Um, yeah, actually, this is Mike's fault. The, the piece is Mike's fair. fault. I mean, I was tired and emotional when I did it because I broke my laptop, but that's fine. Um, uh, can, can you tell the world how you broke your laptop? I was downloading out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging out with my girlfriend. Okay. And nice brag. No, yeah, no, go, sorry, I threw that in there. Nice I wanted brag. to go snuggle her cat. Wow. And I was working on her couch watching. Wow, this uh, is getting intimate now. And I leaned over to snuggle her cat named Boots. And the laptop like shifted with my weight on the couch cushion and it fell off. And it's like, you know, it's like a three foot drop, like two and a half. I don't know how tall a couch mm. is, but. But apparently that was all it took. It, it screwed the hard drive. So. That's all she wrote? Yeah, but you know what? This is good cuddles with the cat. Hey, listen, at least, at least someone got screwed that night, and it was the laptop. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Good for you. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, just, just coming out here, just dropping beats. Listen, that's, all, no, that's what I, we want. What I was going to say, which I think is important, is I have no problem with Neil Pionk whatsoever. But when we think about the history of Rangers acquisitions, like go down the list of what they've had to do to try to find guys that fit the bill of a Pionk, I mean, of a D'Angelo or a Shattenkirk. Like how many failed experiments have we seen? We've seen Yandel, we've seen Boyle, Brian McCabe, for God's sakes, Derek Morris, like the list goes on and on and on. Tom Pody, like... God, Derek Morris is a great reference. When you can find a guy who can do the sort of things that D'Angelo can do, they're valuable. They're more valuable than just a, you know, kind of a two-way defenseman, which I think is what I, I generally, you know, that's where I kind of categorize Pionk. And again, nothing wrong with Pionk. I actually think he can be a part of this rebuild. And as a guy who can be a valuable, inexpensive guy to round out the depth of the, of the defense and eventually be one of the older guys who's been around and, you know, has kind of been, been through the battles of, you know, full NHL seasons. But D'Angelo is just strictly more valuable because of what his ceiling is. And that's what that's the big problem here to me is and that was the biggest takeaway I had from your story, Joe, is like the Rangers gave up what they gave up for him. They're not they're not playing him, and that means each game they're not playing him, it, it's the problem only becomes twofold because his trade value is nothing right now. He had an injury last year, he was playing well, but his numbers weren't stellar because the team around him was you know, dog shit. So you have this guy who everyone who watches him play acknowledges he has the, the skill set. He has all these attitude problems, which are significant. But the other thing is that he can really play hockey in in the skill set and in the role that's appropriate to him. And it's an important point that Ryan brought up is that, like, Pionk is just strictly better at defense than D'Angelo. I think even at D'Angelo's best, he won't be anywhere near to what Pionk can develop to be in his own zone. And that's an, an important point that we can't forget. But it's still, I think, more important to recognize it costs a lot of money and a lot of, de- like, a lot of research, a lot of scouting. 
you know, a lot of money in free agency or whatever the hell, however the hell you find these guys to get guys who can do the things that D'Angelo can do. The Rangers have one of these guys. He's 22. He's played two games of nine games this season. They're not playing him. That's a problem that's on both Gorton and Quinn's plate. Like, it's, I don't think it's more important to say whose fault it is ultimately. What's important here is to say, well, you can fix this problem. And the problem is, how do you get to that solution? And the McQuaid trade is directly tied to it. And I understand the whole, oh, acquire McQuaid, uh, showcase his abilities, then trade him. But I don't think, you know, they gave up a fourth for him. How much of an upgrade can they get from a fourth round pick as opposed to what the value of a D'Angelo could be if he panned out? It's, it's miles away, miles away. I think they see him a lot more than we do. They see him in practice. They go through all that, and they go, well, we really probably can't get much for this kid. Let's try and get a third for McQuaid. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing that, you know, I think plays a big role here. Obviously, the Rangers are in a – and, Ryan, let me ask you this, since mm-hmm. we're disagreeing about D'Angelo. Do you at least agree that the Rangers have kind of shot themselves in the foot with him? How could in, I disagree with you with in that? In general? I, I'm just making nothing, sure. There's nothing more that I hate than wasted value, and that's exactly what's happening with – D'Angelo. So I don't know what the solution is. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know what the Rangers' plan is here because at this rate, there's absolutely nothing you can do with him. You the only option you have is to play him. That's it. And I think I think he will be played after some trades happen. I, um, totally, we're just, we're just a little far away from that. They, and obviously, they can't send him down to the HL because he will not clear waivers. Well, and then that's the other thing that I was talking about in my story. The Rangers obviously value him enough that they don't want to lose him for nothing, and yet he has no value to the team. And they've put him in this situation. Because I'll be honest with you, if D'Angelo played 45 games last year, and I'm not talking about the games that he got post like all the injuries where he was playing good hockey— if the Rangers played D'Angelo 45 games last year and you come to this conclusion, that's different. But, like, the Rangers traded for D'Angelo. This was a great line from Mike that he put into my story. They traded for him 500 days ago, and he has played more for the Arizona Coyotes than he has for the New York Rangers. So well, m- my I- bigger issue is your issue, Ryan. What is Gordon – like, why was he targeted in the first place then? I, I don't th- – like I said, I think they handed Arizona a list, and, and the list was five names – and four of the names just said Keller in big caps, and then number five was like, I guess D'Angelo, if anything else. Yeah, but the Rangers settled for that. That's what you're saying, is they just settled on, all right, he's a guy who's under X age, and this is a position of need, we'll take a chance on this guy. That's do what you, you think? Do you want to know what I think happened, for real? I think that Gorton saw the tea leaves, was like, shit, guys. If Stepan comes here and he stays, like... That's a player I don't want on this team because the no-move contract is going to happen. So I need to kick this rebuild into, into into start right now. I'm out there shopping. Dallas didn't want to do anything. So, well, at this point, let's go to Arizona. They're like, okay, we'll only do the deal if you get if you take one of these players. One of the players was Tony D'Angelo. And it really was about getting off the contract of Stepan and getting the seventh overall pick. And that was it. And Gordon got outplayed in that situation. And that's really how I feel. And, and, I think he and, settled for it. And I'm kind of at the point now where if the Rangers want to admit that that trade was a disaster, then admit that it's a disaster and just move on from D'Angelo. I think but it wasn't a disaster. I think it was not great. I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it – it's not a Tyler Seg- Seguin trade. Like. No, not at all. But I do think that they sold v- very low on both Stepan and Ranta. I don't think it's any Montreal trade for the last three years. Like – 
any trade for Montreal. Yeah. I, I Literally think, any trade. I think they did sell low, but it's because Gorton saw... Rata, I can't justify. Uh, but Stepan, I think he saw, like, this is a guy that's going to be here if I if I don't well, trade him. The he's fact never that Rata is involved is the thing that makes me think they saw D'An- D'Angelo and they liked what he brought enough. This is also an organization that has a long history of saying, oh, this guy's got problems, we can fix him. Like, they, they take on these guys a lot. It's kind of something that was a huge part of Sather's MO, and Sather's still in the front office. He still has some sway. And I feel like there's there's definitely something to be said there. I think that's just as relevant as this kind of, you know, this notion you have of, oh, you know, they settled for D'Angelo. Because I think the Rangers thought Elias Pettersson would be there at 7, and he wasn't. I 100% agree with that's you. That's fair, but even if they thought that, they wouldn't... It was a big, big plunge to say, all right, rebuild... We're trading Stepan. Arizona wanted Stepan badly. Like, they wanted him. They wanted Ronta also very badly. They gave up a seventh, and that was a huge asset. But in terms of what they got back, they got a first-line center and a fucking starting goalie back. It was, That's worth more than a seventh overall pick. Like, D'Angelo had to have value for both teams. And I know that he was traded there, and I know that he had his behavioral problems in Arizona as well. But I still think he wasn't just some, like, marginal piece that the Rangers just kind of settled on. And now, you know, 500 days later, we're, the front office is just saying, Oh, yeah, turns out he was just as bad as we were worried he might be. I feel like this is, in one way or another, a failure in terms of the organization kind of projecting what they could do with this kid. And or they made some decision when they are putting together the McQuaid trade where they said... His development and or the devel- development of Pionk is just not as important. And that is the thing that is the most baffling to me. Because when we talked earlier about Heedle and how important it is to, to get those young guys, those minutes to develop, there's no more important thing for this organization than figuring out scoring wingers and freaking young defensemen. They, they just drafted a goddamn full stable of them. They have so many young defensemen. They're tripping over them in Hartford. And... You know, we already talked about how good Keandre Miller has been in his, you know, his first couple games of college hockey, and that's all awesome stuff. But the other thing to keep in mind here is there are guys who are up on the roster now who can be a part of the solution, and that's Shea, and that's Pionk, and that's D'Angelo. Like Shattenkirk can still be here in three or four years, but a lot of those guys are just not the right age. Like Brendan Smith is going to be a little too old, and he's, you know, he's going to be. His contract expires when Shattenkirk's expires, unless I'm mistaken. So It does. Everyone's getting traded. Yeah, it just... You need the guys... It can't all be babies. You need to have a couple of guys who are a little bit older, like the Shays and Pionks and Dandelos, who can be guys who can help that transition and be the older guys. And to just immediately burn the bridge on one of them just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make any sense that they're not giving this kid a chance to play. And I am not a D'Angelo fan. I'm not a fan of him as a player or a person. But I still acknowledge and recognize yeah, like, he can do a lot that a lot of defensemen can't do, and that makes him valuable. This was the we got heated on D'Angelo. Yeah, we a little did. worked out. Little yeah. I think we have to get into questions. Okay, oh, questions. I'm here for this. Excellent. Um, I love you. Don't always come back. Oh, let's get rid of Joe. Just you and me talk. Oh, Mike, I love you too, buddy. So that's great. It's only my account that's using <laughs> the fucking thing, that's Johnny. Cool, man. Johnny Alo, he hey, has an important Johnny. question. When you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, do you use two knives, one for the jelly and one for the peanut butter? Out of here. What I do is... I Ryan, go, I think you and I are about to fall in love. 
I go one knife. I only go one knife. I go into the jelly first, and I very methodically get all the jelly off by spreading it onto the bread. I'll then examine the knife, make sure there's no jelly remnants on the blade. Maybe, maybe I wipe it off with a paper towel. Okay. And then it goes into the peanut butter. All right, let me just go out of this. So you, I do peanut butter first. You use one knife. Anyone who uses two knives is a psychopath. Guaranteed. First of all, you're creating first. You're creating way more work for yourself. Cleaning peanut butter and jelly off two separate knives makes no sense, and you're wasting material. You do peanut butter first. You spread that shit out. Then you wipe the extra on the second piece of bread. Then the knife is clean. Then you take jelly. You spread jelly out. Voila. That's it. PB and J out. Okay. Why, why you... peanut butter first, Ryan? I don't understand. I just uh, I just have a preference towards peanut butter. Because it clings to the blade more. It clings it, to the you're blade probably more. right, but that's just the way I do it, and it's, okay. I, I refuse to change. Neither of you have the you're correct snowflake. answer on this. Okay, it's what okay. do you do? Use your fingers? You know what the correct answer is? Yeah, what is that? Peanut butter and jelly is a fucking abomination. No way. Yes, I am a no. straight peanut butter guy. Jelly is disgusting. That you would mix sweet, precious peanut butter with the fucking vileness of jelly is be- the textures like peanut butter is creamy jelly makes the fucking bread soggy jelly is gross in general what jelly are you using you chump uh, sh- schmuckers yeah you're a schmuck dude that's crazy like um jelly are, do you, are you a fluff another guy i do like fluff another yeah i knew it all right so, well, like, is that nothing, a fat joke ryan there's nothing wrong with fluff others, but pb and j is the classic is but the well, I, I, wait a minute i i want to say i would prefer just the peanut butter sandwich no fluff sure another, P- but I will. I can't put- just do peanut butter alone. I can if there's some banana in it, but a peanut butter alone is a little tough. No peanut butter. I could eat peanut butter out of the jar. I do eat peanut butter with a spoon by myself all the time. The thing is, if it's just like if it's on bread by itself, I'm just craving a little more. I all right, Ryan, extra, I have a peace offering for you. Okay, let's go for it. Which you may know about. Skippy makes a honey roasted peanut butter. Okay. A honey roasted nut peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It's in an orange container. It is life changing. Okay, so here's. Uh, I have I actually have a take about peanut butter that some people won't like. I don't like those like the store brand peanut butters that are like like have like sixteen thousand ingredients in them and like, well, like palm oil like a bunch of other stuff. They're like mixed whatever. I go to Trader Joe's. I buy the the roasted peanut peanut butter that's like chunky and the ingredients on the back just say roasted peanuts and that's it. That's the way I like. So it. you're I not like, even a Jif guy. No, I'm really not. I I, I can do it. I like um, Skippy. I, I, I like I Skippy like, too. I like Jif too. I like just really a just give me some ground up peanuts. That's where I'm at. All right, uh, listen, I can respect that. Just like all natural. Uh, God, eat, like thinking about peanut butter and jelly makes me gag. That's how gross yeah, jelly so is. So peanut butter and jelly fueled the greatest generation and won us World War Two. Yeah, back to back champions. I'm just I'm just gonna say back that back. that definitely that team was not back to back. There was definitely a new core for World War Two than there was First for of World all, War One. How dare you? Second of all, the timeline on that kind of checks out, but. Uh, Johnny Lowe has a real question. Does Mark Stahl get oh. bought out this offseason? Oh, I brought up the thing because I looked ahead because I prepared for the show for a change. So here's the thing, Johnny Lowe. Throwing that who, shit at me. Who happens to be a patron, which means we love him more. Um, buying out Stahl is tricky for a couple reasons. The first being uh, it may be in the Rangers' best interest to do it because... There might be an expansion draft with Seattle, and if that's the case, you don't want Stahl taking up one of those spots when you have all these little valuable babies you want to protect, and that's important, even though a lot of them will be exempt, but some of them might not be, and that's an important thing to keep in mind. The other thing is, uh, if you buy him out, 
2019, um, meaning June 15th as the buyout date on capfriendly.com, the Rangers will have to take on a cap hit of $1.2 million for the 2021-22 and the 2022-2023 seasons. So he'll be on the cap a little bit longer, but the cap hit won't be bad. They'll save cap space, but as Joe and I have talked about a lot of times, I'm sure Ryan has talked about this with Greg, like cap space over the next two years just doesn't matter. The Rangers can just, you know, they have all the cap space in the world. They can throw money around so long as it fits within that two-year window. Yeah, let's let's not get silly. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. It has to, the caveat is it must fit within that two-year window, and that's what's important. Um, With all that being said, do I think it's, I absolutely think it's a possibility because, Dan Girardi was a goddamn soldier for this organization. They loved him to bits, but they also acknowledged the fact that he is hurting the team in terms of his contract. Mark Stahl is this holdover of, you know, the only guy who's more, like, obvious of a holdover is Lundqvist, and he's a lot harder to get rid of. Stahl is just, in every way, easier to get rid of, and he's also far less impactful and valuable as a player. So you can and maybe should buy out Mark Stahl. The question is... When And I feel like that is hinged directly upon just how far along a lot of those kids in Hartford are, um, you know, come December and come when, you know, heading into the, the offseason, getting an idea of are they comfortable with the idea of buying Stahl out? And a lot of that's going to hinge, I think, on what happens at the deadline. And more importantly, Joe and, and Ryan, do they want to do this again with another guy who's this good soldier and when he comes... After signing a contract with another team, they put his little highlights up on the board, and oh, everyone cheers, and oh, and you know, Mark Stahl, I know, has been a controversial figure, but he's a really popular guy among Rangers fans. Yeah, and he he wasn't a, a bad Ranger. Mark, I'm, you no, really have to wonder. By the way, Zuccarello scored again. Zibanejad has four points tonight. He has two goals, yeah, two assists. Pretty good night. Yeah, he's, he's heating up. The Rangers needed that. And by the way, I say by the way a lot. Um, the Rangers were playing... The Rangers had one of the highest, I think, expected goals for. I think they also had one of the highest expected goals against, but through eight games. So eventually the, the scoring was going to happen. And uh, a, another question that we have... Well, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do that because here's my very quick answer on Stahl. I think you, you don't buy him out until you absolutely have to. And if the Rangers need to bury him in Hartford next year and eat $4 million, then so be it. But, Joe, I'm not sure you can. He has a no <laughs> movement clause, Joe. Oh, then yeah. sit him in the press box. You're yeah, only saving 900 grand. I think he's a press box boy, if that's the case. I, I, I like press box boy. I think that's the way it should be happening uh, going forward. I, I think you've got to keep him on the team as long as possible. Uh, I, I didn't think he'd be cut this year because I knew they wanted to not cut the salary. Um, I, I just think there's no way he's not. He, he should be on the team until, it's like you said, exactly they have to cut him because of an expansion draft or... Yeah, yeah, and yeah, or they want... The other thing is, like, I don't know. I've been left to be a little flummoxed because of what they've decided to do with the blue line this year. But, like, at a certain point, you got all these babies. They need ice time, right? Like... If it's not this summer, then maybe it's the summer after, meaning in the summer of 2020 when they'll finally say, all right, but then again, it's like, do you really want to buy a guy out of the last year of his contract? And, you know, what does that look like? But it's, I think it's the point, you know, I think like Johnny's question is, is it on the table? And I feel like it has, absolutely has to be. And the big reason there being, you know, maybe that makes something like Panarin a little more palatable to the front office, but more importantly, 
you can have a little more room to develop uh, some of these guys. Like maybe you know, maybe you get Libor in next year, and then again, if if things stay on this course, I feel like D'Angelo would just be out. Like if if this is the status quo, you know, six months from now, like yeah, D'Angelo is not going to be a part of the future of this team. So. And, and I want to I want to quickly say something about Neil Pionk, who has two assists tonight and now six on the year. Um, I, I've argued from the beginning that he needs to play, that he needs to be in the lineup. Absolutely. Full stop. But uh, I also argued that there was no way he was going to put up the offense that he did in his 28 games last year. And so far, I'm wrong. So Sup, Joe? Sup, dude? I'll eat crow on that one. <laughs> um, Joe, remember when you thought Nemestikov was going to have 25 goals this year? Oof. You know, you remember I, that one, Joe? You're, real, you're somebody who would eat peanut butter and jelly. Tim, analytically speaking, how are the Rangers doing since Gordon all but said the hell with analytics, which I don't remember happening. I actually remember the exact opposite happening. I don't. I don't think. I think Gordon's pretty pro analytics. Yeah, so do I. And I think. And he's the rest of the question is: Do you have any proof that the Rangers are using them, given Quinn's familiarity with them and BU? Thanks, and love are. the podcast, guys. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, then, he, then he has hashtag this is so much better than blue shirts breakaway. Wow, really? Make sure oh, no, he doesn't actually I, have that. Unbelievable, no. Joe. Yeah. Although I do have to, you know what? Nice. I'm gonna, I am gonna say one thing. I had there were two people at the forum who said that we were the that they listened to us only and they found you guys from the forum from us and that pleased me. I I uh, I know who those people are. One of them is this kid Jordan because I talked to him afterwards, uh, and I was like, we're gonna steal you. Did Just Did you steal know. him? I don't think so. I think he still listens to all of no. you. I hope he listens to Jordan. If you're listening to this, you should listen hope, to him too. I hope everyone listens. To I and I, I mean this in all sincerity, and and Ryan knows. He, yeah, he's, oh, we're, he's we're good pals now. He's yes, met me, but not even that. Even the people who I hate, like I have no, and there are people I hate. I have no. I don't look at it as a competition. This space is like the way you consume news, and we all exist for a reason, right? Because people want to consume news differently. They want to like people love the banter. Who hate. Blue Shirts Breakaway. There are people who love Blue Shirts Breakaway and hate us, and that's okay. I don't. I, I, I want everybody I just, to eat. I have no. This is not a cutthroat competition. I would be fucking lying to you if I didn't say I wasn't competitive because I totally am in like everything I've ever done in my whole life. But I do appreciate. I, I think what we've come together as a community and really done a lot of good together. The the, the big three podcasts that exist currently. Yeah, it's uh, we're not. I'm not. I'm not out here to. Everybody gets to eat. I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. Be, it's better to be friendly and collaborate than be all shitty to each other. I agree. I think we've we've done Why a great job. Not circle jerk, be, but I'll be done with that can now. Be nice and kind. Exactly. That's what Mike says. So Tim, that's how boy. that's how we answered your question. But I think they are using analytics. And Quinn actually mentioned that. Uh, I think he mentioned after the loss to the Flames that like the Rangers were generating a lot of scoring chances. So he knew the goals were going to come, and that that never came. Just a with, quick aside, guys. And yeah. I, I don't want to like be that guy, but I have like 15 minutes left. Is that cool with you? That that's absolutely fine. fine because my wife. There's a period my of time life. where my wife my will, will my kill life. me if I'm not, my you know, life. helping with the baby. Okay. All right. So we're going to speed round. Alex Rangers Khalifa. 20th in Corsi Four, by the way, to answer your your question, which is a lot better than being dead last where they were last year. Well, and their their Corsi doesn't actually have small, anything small, to do small with sample size, but yeah. that doesn't have to do with what they believe. Quinn could know speed that speed around, but actually, let's go into the meaning of Corsi. Yeah, let's 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 put that. <laughs> Alex just Khalifa trying to put a little goose drop on the goose. What is the over under on the number of Rangers fans in Anaheim on November first? Uh, that's a weird that's a bizarre question I think he's uh, a, Alex is a patron though so is respect 5,000 
Are there a lot of Rangers fans out in California? It's, it's L.A., dude. If you're in Florida or L.A., New York is just all over the place. I mean, Florida, I know, is basically a home game, just like the Devils or anywhere. 4,300. Wow, this guy prices right at me. Oh, my God. Ryan, he's the biggest fucking prices writer. Is he? Yes, Man. it's ridiculous. Spain, it's insane. Um, I'm going to guess. What did my, what was Mike's guess? 4,300. So 4,301. Um, KG Canning. How much worse does Shea have to get before he's healthy scratched? Worse? I don't. Yeah, I don't know if this is a, is, is tongue According in cheek. to Evolving Wild's uh, wins above replacement model for hockey, he was one of the top ten players in hockey. For and the I even I test. I think Shea has been fantastic. Yeah, I'm Shea's not. been gold. He's been gold. I tells you. I'm good on Shea. Well, he had one bonehead play, but otherwise he's been. Really yeah, good. that that was fucking stupid. Yeah, with the punching. Um, the God, the, Fiskish. Jesus, I keep... Sure, you're done. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's if job, the Rangers Joe. continue down this path of not playing D'Angelo, what do you see them doing with him? Uh, putting him on the waiver wire? Yeah, well, or trying to trade, like putting, adding him into any like deal. A, yeah, adding him to deal. Is you can't trade him right now. He doesn't have any value. You have to let the value build up by letting him play hockey. And they're the going to play him the, the second half of this year, and people are going to be like, ooh, this kid can actually play a little bit, and they're going to try and ship him for a third. There you go. I'm telling you right now, D'Angelo is going to go to like, I'm not, he's not going to go to Toronto, but he's going to go to Toronto or something, and he's going to fucking light it up, and that's going to be exactly what's going to go to Carolina. What's going to happen? Uh, his second part of the question How has Hedo looked at wing? I actually. I think Hedl looks pretty good at wing because I think Hedl plays a really good game against the boards, and yeah, he's a half board kid. Yeah, and he's there all the time at wing. Yep. I feel like the same. I know I've talked about this a lot, but I made like the goofy bold prediction that he would end up as a winger in his NHL career, and so he just I gave Hayes a perfect pass that Hayes he missed, and then Hayes tried to break his stick uh, and didn't. Why does Hayes always try to pass? No, Hedl passed two Hayes. No, in I the know, slot. but Hayes looked to pass instead of just ripping it. Oh, you're right, actually. God damn it, Hayes. Uh, no, but like what I was saying is, I think he looks fine at the wing. I the most important thing, really. I think we all agree is just ice time and opportunity, and that's why it's good that he's still up here. I still think he moves back to center at some point. I do too, especially yeah, they're after they're the more deadline. valuable. I think that's where it'll be. Let him kind of get a little more used to the NHL game, and then mm-hmm. deadline, maybe an opportunity opens up, a couple bodies get moved, and then plug him in at center and just tail, like, you know, whoever's sticking around, like, tough breaks, we're getting, letting the kids develop there. What you? That's, you know what? We, we've, we nailed the questions section. That was all the questions? That was all the questions. So there was a question from, uh, we're, we have a new patron, and he tried oh, to tell hi. us how his name was said. And, oh, I remember this question. Uh, yes, so it's it's Chuck Spadina. Test, Chuck Testa. Okay. And his question, this was for last week, so hopefully it's still relevant because I never look at these until the day of the show. Good if Hedl ends up being successful playing along the wing and Howden continues to play well at center, how long will it take for the team to trade Hayes or less likely Mika to make spot for Lias to get some NHL time? That is a question that we can answer right now. Um. I don't I think Kato's going to be on the wing long term, and I don't think the Rangers are going to do anything with the only intent of getting Leas a, a role in the NHL this year. No. Does that make no, sense? Like, the Rangers aren't going to trade Hayes to make room for Leas Anderson. No, they're going to trade no. Hayes because they're terrified of losing him for nothing. A bunch Wh- of other people will get be. traded first, and then Leas will come up. So don't worry about Leas. He'll be up here. I think Leas will be up here come February. He almost has to be. Oh, he will be. They'll need somebody to play. Yeah, even if they put him on the wing. Yeah, because everyone's like John I said, Gilmore everyone's for back. sale. You could see like just you know as, as a closing note on my side, 
there's a real realistic world, a real realistic world. Nice job, Ryan. There's a world we live in, we live in a society that that Kreider and Zabinajad could be traded this 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 deadline yeah. for real. Wait, wasn't so. there a question about about Kreider? Why did your voice get so high right there? Cuz that's how I talk. Cuz when I go through puberty, I think it was I think it was a hockey stat minor question. It was a hockey I'm a, stat minor. I, I'm not yeah, making it up, right, Ryan? This is going to be the last one and then we'll sure. cool, man. We'll do our whatever. What was the, I'm pretty sure the question was like on a scale of on a scale of rentals that we know are going to be traded and untouchables. So on a scale from like Zuccarello to Kravstov, where does Kreider fall? Oh. Mm-hmm. It might not have been Hockey Stat Minor. It was Hockey Stat Minor. Why are you ignoring Mika? Well, first of all, Mika came at me with my goddamn with pizza fight, and he lives in the backwoods of Pennsylvania. He doesn't know what good pizza is. He has no idea. He's eating it uh, off his twigs. His question is, in the spectrum of young untouchables like Heedle, all the way to older rentals like Zook, where do y'all see Kreider as an asset in this rebuild and tool? Turns 28 in April, 1.5 years from his first UFA status. As a relative asset, is he comparable to McD this time last year? I think he's comparable. I uh, think, 100% uh, comparable. I, I think he's actually, um, you probably could almost get the same return. Yeah, I would I would absolutely venture a bet that if the Rangers trade Kreider and just Kreider, I think they would get a better return than what they got for Nash. Easily. Oh yeah, easily. I think I think I'm just right And they there. got a he- and I'm not saying like, oh, he's better than Nash, like a better contract. We knew that. I think the Rangers fleeced Boston for Nash, and I think Kreider would have a better return. With you. With you on that. Couldn't I, I have nothing more to add because I think Chris Kreider's my favorite Ranger. He's been my favorite Ranger since he really came up. I've, I've always been in love with the guy. Uh, I think he... I, I'm, I'm just letting go of everyone. I know it's time. It, you you just have to let go. I'm just letting go. You root I, for all, laundry. All the, players I, all the players I love are just not going to be here, and I'm ready for the next dynasty. Next dynasty, like there was another one, you know? Well, yeah, we, we could pretend. Yeah. Uh, Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armael Kissner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Chuck Spadina, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Ryan, this is my favorite, Fancy Lawrence, how great is right. that? Mm-hmm. Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, uh, Michael Silvers, Guy from Montana, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Zachary Zetlin. Thank you all for donating. Okay, my turn. Uh, Mike Silvers, Bob Kawa, and Eric Cohen. What's up, man? <laughs> They're all supporters of us, too. Just throwing it out there. I'm pretty sure that uh, I think Michael Silvers literally is a patron for every Rangers podcast. Now it's us today. As of today, by the way. Oh, really? As of today? Yeah. As of today, you know what? he sounds like Michael Golds to me. Oh, Sent him over a t- sending him a T-shirt uh, two days from now. Yeah, we have to we have to do more. Like we have to get stickers that we can send out to people. Joe, you can't even finish the glove you're supposed to make. Just you're absolutely correct. It's hard having a child. I have to say, more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, all right, well, Ryan, thank I you so much for coming child. on. Dude, uh, it's always a pleasure. If you want to hear more of my shit voice, you can go over to Blue Shirts Breakaway. It's a podcast I do with my dear friend Greg, where we are it's a great, great show. Thank you, you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. We have a lot of fun. We curse a lot. Uh, this week we had Brian Watanik on, our good dear friend of uh, the Garden Faithful, and some other uh, 
Gotham Sports Network bullshit, and we actually got pretty serious about Henrik Lundqvist, uh, and if he's going to be playing for the Rangers for the... He will be playing the Rangers the rest of his career, but will he play again after his contract is up? So go over and see what we thought, and that's my nice little plug. Yeah, they uh, they release every Tuesday. Every Tuesday morning. We, 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 we try to pick a day, and then we end up moving it around because of my goddamn work schedule. But uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Later. Bye, everybody.